Thank you for downloading this episode of the Mac Report Podcast. This episode is brought to you by our subscribers over at themacreport.com. Their support allows us to bring you our coverage of Merrimack Athletics. If you are a subscriber, I thank you. And if you're interested in becoming a subscriber and gaining access to all of our coverage, head on over to themacreport.com today and sign up. If you don't want to subscribe but still want to support us, please rate and review our podcast over on Apple Podcasts. Once again, thank you to our subscribers for making our coverage possible. And now, on to this week's episode. Well, Ian, it's the break. It's supposed to be a time when not a lot's going on, but we were hit with a head coaching change of the football program over the course of this week. Dan Curran took the job at Holy Cross. We found that out on Friday. Uh, and then Mike Gennetti became the interim head coach, defensive coordinator, associate head coach, uh, and was promoted to the full-time job earlier in the week. So in the end, I think it all worked out. People were pretty happy with Gennetti's promotion, but a little bit of news here at the break when it's usually on the quieter side. Yeah, obviously a quieter time. We went into the Yale weekend thinking, you know, we got a couple of games on our radar and then, you know, we can enjoy the holiday break. Um, but a little news coming across the wire for uh, for Merrimack football. Um, you know, I want to pass on congratulations to Dan Curran moving out to Worcester and accepting that job for him. You know, he did a tremendous job uh, in North Andover with the Warriors uh, the last 11 seasons. I mean, he, he was part of the anchor taking this program from division two up to division one. And, you know, let's just look at the last two years alone. He had his, he had this team playing in what was the NEC title game and a chance this season to go and, uh, potentially punch a ticket to the FCS uh, championships for, uh, for one double a in football. So um, good things for Dan Curran. And uh, you got to think that, uh, you know, Mike Janetti coming in, he's, going to want to put his own stamp on things and he's going to want to do things bigger and better than what Dan was able to accomplish here. So uh, definitely exciting times for the football program. And I uh, don't know if you saw social today as well, Mike, a uh, nice new scoreboard up at Dwayne stadium too. Yes, so I did see that, that. Uh, nice little addition to the, uh, to the football field, the cross, uh, the cross field as well. And um, you know, good things coming uh, in North Andover, I think for uh, the warrior football program. Yeah. I mean, obviously like they've, they've been, cooking here for a while even since they elevated to d1 and that's why i think it makes sense to promote from within you've got a guy who understands the dynamics of of the campus and i I wrote about this in a column earlier in the week like every campus is different so even if you brought in somebody from the outside they kind of have to learn how to navigate you know a different landscape and he's been here for 18 years so mike janetti knows how to do that he's been a part of multiple staffs here understands the college maybe better than anybody in the department he's probably he might be the longest tenured person in the department uh, like the soccer coaches i guess uh have been there <laughs> have been there longer but certainly uh mike janetti's right up there as one of the most one of the most tenured people in the in the entire athletic department so uh i i think that's all good and then you know the word did leak out we reported on it that they had some high level fcs coordinators that we're interviewing for the job and, and showing interest guys who had been to the FCF semifinals, I think, over the course of the last year. Never got names, but did get like, hey, they were, you know, in, went deep in the FCF playoffs over the course of this year. And then when you look at it, like, okay, high level FCS coordinators. Well, what's Genetti? 
I think you'd categorize him as a high level FCS coordinator too. When you look yeah, at where just, that defense ranks, like I didn't even realize how high they ranked in the national rankings defensively until I really started to look at it on Monday. Yeah, they had a they had a really good uh good season this past year defensively on uh on that side of the ball. And obviously, you know, Mike was responsible for a lot of that. Um you know, it's one of those things, right? You talked about high FCS coordinators being interviewed for the job, but you had one internally. So yeah. like you mentioned, the step up, it was natural. It was right there. I mean, it, it made a whole lot of sense to just stay in house and keep a guy, like you mentioned, that's been with this program. That's, it's been a part of building it up and being able to achieve as, uh Great things like I already mentioned, you know, taking the step from division two to division one. Um, you're going to be taking another big step next year as well. I mean, they're going to be going out to Colorado Springs playing, um, the Air Force Academy, so that's a big step. The uh, service, you know, service academy on your schedule. Um, you're traveling out to a great part of the country, you get to see some of the ins and outs of that. But having an anchor in Mike in your locker room and someone that knows what the culture is and knows how he wants to continue to shape it and build it, it it's going to make this picture become a lot clearer that you're keeping somebody that's that's been there for, you know, almost two decades now at this point. Exactly, yeah. And I, and I think the biggest thing, too, was I know I mentioned this in what I wrote. I had players that reached out to me uh, who were, you know, this is before he was named the full-time head coach and was still the interim, that really wanted him to get the job. And I know – uh word was when they when the locker room found out when the team found out uh on was it monday monday or tuesday um, tuesday i think it was it tuesday? Came out, right yeah yeah because were... wednesday was national signing day okay. and uh whenever it was they the the reaction was overwhelmingly positive so <laughs> which is uh, good look, yeah and and i think a lot of people may look at it and say well yeah they they this was the easiest move to make because they needed to do it quickly because signing day was wednesday and that's look they needed to move quickly you know but i don't think they necessarily needed to promote from within, they brought people in over, they had people in to interview over the weekend. So there was a process. It wasn't like this was just done because it was the simplest solution. I think it was done because it was the best solution. And they did talk to outside candidates. They did have to move quickly given the, the timing of things. Uh, and, you know, the, the portal is still open. So if you're trying to get players out of the portal and uh, they, they did, they got a quarterback from, from Maine uh, just last week, right before the current hometown, hometown kid. Exactly. So, uh, you know, they they did have to. I, I do think they needed to move quickly. Their time of a, was of the essence, especially with signing day approaching in just a couple of days. They needed to get it done before signing day. But I don't think you know anyone that looks at this and goes, "Well, they did that just because signing day was coming up." No, I, I don't think so. I think they they looked at the outside and determined that their internal candidate was the best choice moving forward. Yeah, it, it's one of those things where you're looking for the right puzzle piece, right? If you want to look at it in, in a bigger terms, you're looking for the right guy that is going to be able to help you a right in this present moment, because you were in a position where you didn't have a head coach. Then you only had an interim head coach and he finally gets the interim label removed. That's a big thing for your team. Your team knows, okay, this is our leader. You know, we're not asking 60 different people to come in. We're not, you know, looking at 60 different coaching styles, we're not looking at 60 different ways to run a program. Again, 
not to beat the drum. This is a guy that's been here. He knows what this program is. He knows what the college is more, more importantly, he knows about the community and the impact that the Augustinian values that this school brings to the table. And that's something that they continue and want to grow and still have those connections with, you know, youth football in the area and getting uh, kids and families and large groups out to the stadium to come and support. And it also helps grow your networks. If you're connecting with teams locally and you can start to look at maybe potentially, you know, grabbing more local homegrown talent, Massachusetts is a great spot for high school and prep school. New England, I should say is a great spot for football uh, as a whole. So there's a lot of guys locally here that leave and go play FCS elsewhere across the country. Maybe you can start pulling some of those guys right from your own backyard and getting, getting them to North Andover to come play for you. I think they got to figure out what they're doing with their conference too. Obviously the move to the Mac, there's no football there. I mean, they, they could stay in the NEC. That seems to be like, a, it seems to be an option. Uh, the NEC may still need teams there. So you could stay as an affiliate member. They could go as an affiliate member somewhere else. Uh, but you know, I do think they want to get that figured out. There's only, as far as I'm aware, there's only one FCS independent, right? I think Kennesaw state's the only one. Yes. So they are, are. I mean, look, you could theoretically do that and play teams from the NEC and and play teams from probably the Patriot league and, uh, you know, maybe, maybe some of the, you could go all over the place with with that. If you're going independent, right? Yeah, you could, but I mean, then now there's no championship you're playing for, to get into the the FCF playoffs, which I mean, look, they were, it like makes said, it a lot tougher. Right on the verge of this past year, so you know they've they've got to find a conference. I don't know what makes sense there. <laughs> um, you know, the CAA probably doesn't make sense. Just looking at some of the other schools that are in there, you got some bigger schools in there. Obviously, some big state schools like Maine and UNH and URI, yeah. uh, Villanova was a sister school in Merrimack. Sister still, school is in there. Obviously, you've got the NEC, which probably, I mean, it probably makes the most sense for them to stay as an affiliate in the NEC. Yeah, as long as the and NEC they've been, they've been, them there. they're competitive. They've been competitive in the league. Yeah. So if, if you're the league, why, you know, aside well, the league from, may just be upset that they're leaving and say, that, no. <laughs> that was my, that was my only question on it is, you know, is the league going to be upset because the rest of your athletics program is leaving, you know, after a short stint? Sure, that could be made on one side of it, but also at the same time, if you have a team that's made your conference championship game the last two years, you know, do you really want to shoo them out the door? You know, especially if you know that they're competitive and they can keep things competitive in your league if you're looking for teams. It all depends, I guess, on what those those other presidents are thinking. (laughs) Um, hey, Mike, real quickly before we uh, before we shift gears here and still stay on the football topic, uh, are you a fantasy guy at all? You have any uh, any teams make the playoffs or anything like that? I got two that are still. I had two buys last week, so yeah, I've got two. And oh, still alive in both. Look at you finishing high up, huh? Yeah, I, uh, I I I was able to clinch a one seed and uh, had I was biting my nails come Monday night. I had uh, DK Metcalf in my lineup going against Tyler Lockett facing a five point deficit as the one seed. <laughs> against the eight and that 30 yard completion to DK Metcalf down the sideline that set up the game winning touchdown won me my matchup. I went from a 1% chance of winning to 99% after that catch. There you go. Yeah. I had so, a, uh, it also hit a parlay for me. I had DK Metcalf longest reception over 23 yards. And up until that point, he had not had one. So 
No, it was a it was a long night on my side of the couch waiting for Metcalf to figure into that offense. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, me too. I I had a four leg parlay, three of which had already hit, and I was sitting there waiting for. I'm like, come on, just let let's feed him downfield a little bit, and no. <laughs> it made me happy. Um, one last thing on Merrimack football before we move on. So let's hypothetically say that the NEC says no, like nope, you're you're, you're leaving us high and dry. No, the only other league kind of makes sense but i i think it's a little bit of a reach i don't know is the patriot league do you think yeah but there is a football member i mean you've got holy cross they played Lehigh, a bunch of other sports obviously i mean they played bucknell and other sports uh they've got fordham i think on their football schedule coming up next year and the year after so you're playing some of these patriot league teams and the only reason i bring them up is right now from a football standpoint the patriot league only has seven teams yeah so I, I I wonder if that's a potential fit if they're looking for I, I, yeah I would say that I mean you, you did mention you did mention um, the CAA but I just think either that conference is already overloaded I think as it is anyways um, well they're and they're also full I mean well in terms of even numbers yeah and they've got something like what they got like twelve or thirteen teams. I'm counting 16. Six, oh, there, geez, there you go. 16, oh my God. <laughs> yeah, Albany, Villanova, Richmond, Elon, Delaware, Towson, URI, William & Mary, UNH, Campbell, Monmouth, Hampton, Maine, North Carolina A&T, and Stony Brook. Yeah. yeah. The latter the latter of uh, latter two went 0-8 in conference this year. There you go. So, I, I mean, I, I... I'd lean Patriot... It does. Make, I mean, if the NEC says, "Look, I think the best from a competitive standpoint, the best option for them is to stay in the NEC, if yes. the NEC allows them to." That's kind of the most, in terms of their their footprint, their, the size of their school and whatnot. It makes the most sense for them to still be in the NEC. But if the NEC says no, I I, I wonder if there's a, a a path to the Patriot League where they only have seven teams. Yeah. I, again, right? You you're talking about fluidity and you know even numbers as far as conference scheduling goes it makes things a lot easier uh playoff seating becomes a lot easier when you have even numbers and things like that so it does make logistical um, sense on that side but again from the competitive standpoint and from the nec standpoint i think the best thing for merrimack football wise is to hopefully remain where they are yeah and the other thing too is you've got a couple of hockey East members already in the Patriot League. So from a, a voting standpoint, like I, I think you probably get BU on your side. They're not football school, but you, you might get BU on on your side. Uh, Holy Cross is a hockey East member on the women's side. They're in the Patriot League, and then the other ones. I mean, again, you've played Fordham. Uh, or are you sorry? You're, yeah, they're going to play they, Fordham. They, I think they've already yeah played, right. That that's already happened. They played Bucknell anyway. as well. Lehigh. Yep. So there so is familiar. There's actually, some familiarity there. Yeah, and if I'm not mistaken, I believe they've played Lafayette as well. I think you're right. Uh, but even like Georgetown, I look at like Georgetown's obviously a big school, but from a football, they're not really a big football school. They're big yeah, they're not. School. I mean, Georgetown's football stadium looks a hell of a lot like Merrimack's. <laughs> if, mm-hmm. you, if you want to be honest, in terms of capacity and just the way that it looks, I mean, it looks it looks like Dwayne Stadium, really. To, maybe to, maybe to we ha- maybe we have a leg up now with a new scoreboard. So yeah, exactly. I don't see. A, I'm looking at a picture of it now. I don't see a video board there. So maybe maybe you do. Oh, take that, uh, Georgetown. <laughs> All right, moving on. 
Uh, yes, a hockey at Yale two weeks ago. Uh, now, as people listen to this, not the greatest way to go into the break. Um, no. I wrote it. I, I think the headline I used was Merrimack has an identity problem. They only blocked four shots. They, again, dug themselves into a hole, which seems to be a trend now of falling behind early in games and, and having to chase it a little bit. Uh, but we said it. We said it going into the game. You can't lose to Yale. <laughs> and they lost to Yale. So they found a way. And, and that was meaning from like a, a national pairwise perspective. So they they plummeted in the pairwise into the 30s, I think it is yep. now. And, and that's not like Yale probably should have more wins on its record than they do, than they do but the fact is they don't. So uh, Merrimack moves to 32nd in the pairwise. I mean, that's almost a 10-spot drop from where they were going into that game. Uh, and, I mean, now with that loss, you're almost at a point where you don't even need to look at the pairwise. It's about the hockey standings. and Because you can climb in the second half. You still got half a season to go, but climbing from 32 to the top, 15, 14, where you're probably going to need to be to get an at-large bid is a lot of work. So uh, with the back half loaded schedule that they have. Yeah. You know, and I schedule, think that schedule actually may make it friendly. easier. It may make it easier if you win those games, right? You have yes, an opportunity but you have to win the game. Button. You have to win said games. You got to win them. Yeah. And uh, I, I think most importantly is, is we look ahead to, to next week when they return against Brown and Stonehill. You just you want to see a team that just looks like they're back on track because right now they don't even look like they're on track. Yes, you. Uh, my my thing is, I I want to see a team that we saw the first couple of weeks of the season when they were stringing where they strung together three wins against Clarkson, St. Lawrence, and Northeastern on the road. You won four one five two four one, score a couple of goals, get out to a lead. This team, I feel, when they have to start chasing the score. It works entirely against their favor. It works entirely against their favor because now they feel like they have to cave and play to the style that is coming at them on the other side. I mean, I looked at, we, we talked about it the main weekend, right? We saw Maine come in that Friday night and we could not believe the putt control that Maine had. This team looked flustered. They didn't know how to answer it. And we've seen Maine do that to a lot of teams. Don't get me wrong. That's something that they've continued to do since that weekend. But I, I don't know. When, when this team falls behind early, and, and same can be said for any team that really falls behind early, it's always tougher to chase the score than it is to be playing from out in front. Obviously, any coach will tell you that. But this team just needs to, like you said, find their identity. Get some – figure out if, – if you're not going to block shots at the volume and the capacity that they did last year, fine. But you need to find another asset of your game. You need to win more faceoffs. Get that get your faceoff percentage up a little higher. You know, maybe be a little bit better on defensive zone clearings and getting a couple of guys on the back end, like we've talked about time and time again the last couple of weeks, is going to help with that. Getting Zivlak back in the lineup, playing more, practicing more on a regular basis. Mike Brown coming back. Zach Bookman continues to grow on his end. It, it's going to help when you get bodies back, but they just need to get time on the ice together, and it's got to be time on the ice in game real situations not practice you can simulate everything you want in practice but it, it's a completely different animal when you get out on the ice and there's another team in another colored jersey across the way that wants to rip your head off you know figuratively speaking here each and every time you touch the puck yeah and it sounds like they'll get some guys back i, mean, I think michael Satara will be back uh there was 
not great news on some other pieces. We'll talk to Scott Bork in a little bit, but uh, it sounds like Tyler Young's probably out for the year. Uh, it now even it sounds like they didn't even get great news on Mike Brown, where even he may miss uh, a few more weeks or or be out potentially the rest of the year. Well, he I don't think the injury from what the sense I got was that the injury may not take him out the rest of the year, but you're in a situation where okay, if he's going to miss another month, and you're getting you're talking about February. At what point do you say? Just we're better take off the year as a yeah take yeah. the year as a so, um we'll we'll see i mean I, I think that wasn't a definite yet they were hoping to get some more positive news there uh sitara i think should be back stevenson is probably a game to game thing uh from what scott borick said today you know i don't know i don't know how available he'll be on back to back nights maybe maybe some weekends yes some weekends no um you know, because he's kind of playing through something. So I think he's going to be about managing that injury. And and I don't know. I think he'll be able to play, but I don't know that he'll be able to play every night. So they're still going to be – it sounds like they're still going to be battling this stuff here in the second half. And uh, I don't know how you get out on the other side of that. Uh, it's not the only reason why they've had struggles. I mean, there, there's plenty of stuff going on here. Uh, and, and one of the things, I think, like we said, was a loss of identity, whether it was not really blocking shots against Yale or – the other thing is, and this has crept up time and time again, uh, turnovers. Like some of the turnovers that we've seen over the last two or three weeks have just been oof, uh, bad ones against BU, especially on the road. Oh, the, B, the, 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 the on a power play, that shorthanded yep. goal. Yep, and then a similar one. I mean, the Yale goal, the third Yale goal, which put yep. them up. Another bad turnover right on top of the crease. So, I mean, we're seeing some uncharacteristic stuff here that, Last year, it was like, hey, the break, you you didn't really want a break because you, you were playing so well. I think this year, uh, this year, they they want to get away. They, they need a reset. Yeah, a reset is good. And I definitely, you know, you have the the home game uh, on New Year's Eve against Stonehill. But you also got, you got a couple of games on the road here. Uh, you, you got the Brown game coming up post-Christmas. That's a Friday night. Um, and then you got a Holy Cross game. So they're local, but it gets you a chance to spend a little time on the bus. You're traveling a little bit more. You get into the rink a little bit earlier than you maybe would when you're when you're at home. Um, just get out. And obviously, we, we don't know what a lot of guys do for Christmas. You know, I'm sure a lot of guys tend to go home if they can get the opportunity. But... You got to think it's going to be tougher for some of the uh, international guys or, you know, some of the guys out in Western Canada, maybe if, you know, they're not going home, maybe some guys are spending time here locally going to some of these houses and, you know, they're getting time together away from the rink and just forgetting about some of the stuff that's kind of bugabooed them through the first half. And you got a couple of games here on the back half, to op uh, the opening half of the second part of the schedule here that, you know, maybe you get a couple wins under your belt and you build a little bit of confidence before you get into a stretch where you got UMass, BC, and Northeastern home and home back to back to back weekends. Yeah, it feels to me like I mean the timing probably wasn't right because you're coming out of the Yale game, you're going in a break, um, and other stuff like that. But it, this, it felt like they need a reset. Like really, it, it felt like they needed a, a players only meeting and, and almost a hey, who are we here and, and how are we going to play? moving forward because that, that Yale game felt like I, I hesitate to say it because because it, it can get worse but that Yale game felt like a, a rock bottom moment you know yeah and 
again, going back to football as Patriot fans, we know what rock bottom kind of currently feels like. Um, but we have it here on the outline. So we'll kind of just mix it in here. Is this where they're maybe missing some of the glue pieces that were in that locker room last year? Guys like a Lee bold, a Seifert guys that had maybe, and this isn't a shot or a jab at any of the leadership now, maybe they were able to take on a little bit more of that adversity and just knew how to channel it or use it in their favor a little bit better. Is that maybe something that you can kind of see here with this team? I think a little bit. Yeah. I mean, I think you still have a, a positive group there as far as your captains go. Uh, you know, Ben Brar is a probably a, strikes me as a quieter guy, but still, I think he's a good cap. I, I think Mac Welsh is a good captain. Uh, I felt in the same thing. Um, but uh, you know, you just, Seifert in particular was kind of like the emotion of the team. You, you know, it felt like, and I'm not yep. around there every day, but certainly from from being around as much as I, I as you and I have both been, like he was definitely the emotional leader, I, I think. And yeah, I wonder if when you get behind in some of these games and it starts to spiral, like that BU home game, right when it just spiraled out of control, um, is some of that you know, you don't have that emotional leader to kind of carry you through that situation. I don't know. I don't know. But I I, I definitely think you miss some of those voices. Because Seifert, look, Seifert was a voice. <laughs> he was a voice. And also, too, Mike, just real quick, I, I wasn't on uh, at the start of the year. You We hadn't been able to work something out here and, you know, be a second voice on the on the program. So just real quickly on the Seifert uh, thing, I can't believe how the NCAA just refuses to get out of their own way when it comes to some of these things. It's like, unbelievable. I, I don't understand how, and probably not, no, not probably about it. And what was the oddest and strangest college hockey season we may ever have? How how does that not like come into question or at least be looked at with an asterisk in all shapes? forms right how do you not say okay yeah it was wacky but like we started giving out extra years for everybody that was playing college hockey at that time like and for a guy that was physically not in the lineup because of an injury i, I it just it baffled me I, I i got to know jordan a little bit you know seeing him around the rink great guy always the first person to say hello to you, ask you how things are going on your end. So like, I, I don't want it to seem like it's one of those, you know, buddy, buddy type situations, but just the blind side that came from the NCAA to Jordan, when he dealt with all that, I, I, I can't even imagine just the hurt that he was dealing with at that time, because he, he was probably sitting there thinking, okay, I can come back as another voice. I, I know what, we have as a team coming in and the team was probably sitting there thinking, okay, you know, we have them look at what just happened in, in basketball, right? The, the NCAA finally said, Oh, Hey, we're getting out of the way with the, you know, ineligibility waiver, right? That was something that came down in the last week. They stepped back on that. Cause it got sued. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> That's what he needed yeah. to do. Honestly, if he sued them, it probably would have just, uh, it, well, it would have needed to go to a judge. And as soon as the judge ruled against them, which the judge rules against the NCAA all the time, uh, they just would have said, okay, well, we're not going to enforce it anymore. That's yeah. what they do. That's so, what they do. It's just, yeah. Uh, quickly, I, I, go ahead. I was going to say quickly uh, with hoops, 
before we wrap up, um, another good showing against Power Five. Played Cincinnati tough over the weekend. Uh, over the weekend on Tuesday, uh, again kept it close in the first half. Which, as a guy who liked them quite a bit, to keep it close in the first half, I was but, happy about. Yeah, uh, within a certain within a certain number, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, if they kept it within twelve in the first half, I wasn't going to be disappointed, and they did. So that was good. Yeah, and it, they kept they kept it within. Uh, 20 well i 21 21 yeah i think so yeah they ended up they ended up only losing by 16 so it was great uh i'm not gonna yeah it was just you know i think that looks good that's why um and then looking ahead i mean obviously they they got a big week big week coming up uh as people listen to this they got bucknell probably tonight if you're listening to this on friday but but bucknell on friday uh, in the afternoon at two o'clock and then uh coming right back i mean over the break with with bu on the road and some other games so and then they're going to get a conference play so they'll be at home a lot more in in really getting rolling but even though it doesn't look like ed mead's going to play uh he's eligible now but it doesn't look like he's going to play he didn't play against cincinnati the other night uh, i still think that this team is deep enough to make a run from what we've seen that the eight guys that they've got that kind of roll through that rotation are all playing well they all fill a role and honestly the fact that ed mead is going to take the year i think is smart he's going to get two full years now instead of a year and a half yeah no and you're you're looking at it right you're moving to another conference next year and it's a chance to again go in there and make an impact right away uh quickly um we're getting close to christmas here any any wishes you have before we wrap up yeah no just we uh appreciate everybody you know and mike especially thanks to you for uh bringing me on here uh, as we've Hit the uh, tail end of 2023, you know, been a part of the program and whatnot and writing, writing under the, uh, the label here for a couple of years. And, you know, it's, it's always great to sit down and chat with you. So uh, thanks to you, but uh, appreciate everybody that tunes in and, uh, you know, subscribe, follow us. Uh, you can find me on Twitter slash X uh, at Ian Bow, And then also over on uh, the, the TikTok. Uh, at PA Guy Bo, I, uh, the content's going to be coming out a little bit more, especially with basketball coming up too. I'll be getting some nice. uh, more basketball content going out on there. Nice. Um, but you know, just to my friends, family, anybody that's tuned in, Merry Christmas! Uh, appreciate having everybody in my life, and uh, yeah, hope uh, everybody else has the uh, best holiday season uh, that they can make it. Yeah, and thanks for taking the time to join me too. This is like I said, this is way better than talking to myself. So this has worked out really well. Uh, yeah. And definitely uh, check. Hopefully people are checking out stuff over the break. There's a ton, you know, between the two hockey games at home, uh, the basketball games that are coming up at home. There's a lot going on just over the course of the next week, just between Christmas and New Year's. So uh, and then even that first week of January, uh, hockey's yeah. on the road at Holy Cross. And that'll be a tough game. Uh, basketball will have more going on then too. So a lot of things to keep an eye on here over the next week or so. Uh, thanks everybody for tuning in as always. Uh, thanks to Ian for taking time as always. And we'll be back in just a minute with Scott Bork. Sage, what about this stick? I like the orange in it. No, Mom, what is this? This stick is so dusty. There's no more Geno's left in it. I can take it from here, Mom. What kind of tweet are we looking for here, bud? Just a stick so I could toss sauce Chef Boyardee style. Something more apples versus buckets. Yeah, as long as I could still snipe Bar South and Sally. All right, I got the perfect twig for you. It's going to be this stick here, mid-flex point stick, completely accurate for five down every time. This is awesome. I love it. TSR Hockey. We speak your language. I'm Cole Caulfield, and I played college hockey. I'm Adam Fox, and I played college hockey. 
I'm Jake Gensel, and I play college hockey. I'm Johnny Gaudreau, and I play college hockey. Whether you are a fan or a player, nothing compares to college hockey. For more information, visit collegehockeyinc.com. Right, we're here with Merrimack hockey head coach Scott Boric. And coach, uh, you're into the break. It's been a couple of weeks now. Uh, obviously, things have settled in since that game at Yale uh, back on the, the 10th of December. How's the break been so far? And uh, and I guess what did you guys do kind of over the last week where players were still around town? I know they're gone now, but that first part of the break when guys were still around. Uh, so far, it's been pretty good. You know, we came back, obviously, with a disappointing trip to Yale. Uh, and then uh, the guys went right into exams. So we were able to skate, but didn't have everybody every day. Uh, obviously, the guys need to get ready for the exams and do the best they can in that part of their lives. And we skated, but um, you know, not anything real serious and more conditioning and, and competitive. And um, then the guys went home right after. And uh, ironically, last year we went home. I think a day earlier, I thought the break was too long uh, when we came back. I thought that led to some of the things that happened in January to us. Um, this year, we went home just a day later than that. Uh, a longer break than I originally went into the season thinking we needed. But the first half, you know, I know it hasn't been as successful as we want it to be, but it's been a huge grind um, for all the guys and the coaches. And, and the players are as disappointed as the coaches are of where we stand today. Um, I thought getting the mind fresh and getting home, get, spend some family time uh, would be an important thing for the team to do. And by going a little bit early, it allows our Swedes to go home, allows Nikita to go home. I think it will be a benefit. As you look back and, and kind of evaluate the first half, where where did some of the things go wrong? I, I, I guess in terms of where, where it hasn't been the way you wanted it to play out, where has it gone wrong? What do you feel like needs to be better in the second half? You know, I think uh, our 60-minute game hasn't been good enough. You know, we, we've been uh, good at times in games, uh, even really good at times in games, but we haven't really played a 60-minute game uh, since early in the season. Um, and it's been that's been the most disappointing part to me. I think we've gotten distracted by certain things, um, whether it be things we can't control or some things we could control. Uh, we haven't done a great job with that, and we need to do a better job. I think our team got focused on results versus process. Um, First-time experience for all these guys coming into a year with expectation, uh, and I think we got caught up in the results and did not uh, focus on the process, so our process was not as good. Um, and, and lastly, and it, it, everybody deals with it, but this has clearly been the worst I've ever dealt with, the injury bug. Um, it's just been you know, unrelenting, and I'm hoping this break uh, can bring those guys back. Yeah, unfortunately, it's been something I feel like I've asked you about weekly, uh, and we'll continue to as well keep keep the streak alive. Uh, in terms of health going into the second half, I mean, uh, do you think you'll get a guy like Brownback or Satara, the guys that have been out? Uh, where where are you looking at health wise? And at least as you go into it, you got some non conference games uh, where maybe guys can ease themselves back into things here a little bit. Starting on the 29th, uh, I'm hopeful on Chase Stevenson. Um, you know, we'll see. Like, he's going to be a day to day player the rest of the year. Uh, probably play some but not every game uh, his role won't be what it could have been uh, because he's you know he's uh, he's gonna play through some stuff and uh, I admire that um, but I'm disappointed for him but I hopefully we can just continue to go forward I think Michael Cetera will come back uh, from break ready to go um, you know Tyler Young most likely out for the year 
Um, it looks like he's going to have surgery. Uh, and Michael Brown is still a, kind of a yellow light, and we, we don't know um, much right now. I think he has some appointments over break, but um, it, his season's in question uh, for sure, with much more than I thought it was going to be. Um, but he and Tyler are the two that right now coming out of break, I think we're going to have to deal with some things. You talked about the 60-minute effort, kind of going back to that a few minutes ago. Uh, that's where, you know, at least to me, that's where some of the issues have been. I, I don't know uh, what, it, what it is, but you think back to a lot of these games, even the games over Thanksgiving weekend where you guys were able to find a way to win, you dug yourself an early hole. Yale, you dug yourself an early hole. BU, again, kind of fell behind early. That that seems to be one of the common trends has been these early holes that you've dug yourself into you're chasing the game what do you attribute to that why do you think that's happened and and I guess how do you how do you think you can correct it yeah you know it's a great question because you can't play you know chasing the game all the time and we've done a lot of that and that's also a grind Um, but when you get back in those games you need to finish them aka the Yale game Uh, but you know I think the 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 guys have uh, I think we've practiced pretty well this has been a good team in practice we've I've been competitive. We've worked hard. I have no no qualms with that at all. Um, I just think it's a routine or uh, a mental preparation that we need to improve on, uh, and that comes that starts with the coaches and runs through the players as well. Because you know, at puck drop, you got to be ready to go. And um, last year, as you know, we had a line that kind of set the tone at puck drop uh, in the entire last nine, ten games of the season. We don't really have that right now, and I don't know if that's even in our locker room, that kind of a line. So we're going to have to just you know, get guys prepared, um, and I'm going to have to hold guys much more accountable. And I think, uh, you know, frankly, uh, we've nurtured this team, and it's, it's time maybe to whip this team. I was curious, too, what you've seen from your goaltender so far. I know back in the preseason when we talked, you, know, you said it wasn't necessarily going to be a 50-50 split the way it was a lot of times last year. It's kind of manifested itself that way. Uh, I don't think either of the goaltenders have played poorly. Uh, I don't know that you know you haven't had guys necessarily stealing games either. They've both been pretty good, uh, and it's kind of manifested itself in a in a split again. Not exactly. You've had you know some guys have had back to back games here and there, but uh, pretty much from a, a minute standpoint, it's been almost a split. Has that been a surprise? And and obviously you know as you had mentioned last year, it, it can be a positive to have two guys playing well at that position, right? I mean, I don't know how you see it playing out in the second half, but that I would think is a positive if, if it was a positive a year ago. It, it has been a positive. Um, my challenge in the second half and the, and the goaltender's challenge is that um, we've had good goaltending. We have not had uh, unbelievable goaltending, and we need one of them to get to that level. And how we do that Last year it was a split, and last year it was the the chemistry between the two guys and how they felt about each other, and we just got into a ro- routine, and they rode that routine preparing themselves, actually, as well as uh, our team. Um, I don't think that routine has been as strong this year for us. Uh, that's on me, really, because I'm the one who created the routine. So um, you know, that's a lot of thinking going in over break. How am I going to get uh, hopefully both those guys to the level they can be at? Uh, but also uh, at least get the position at the level it needs to be at for us to be successful. And I, I want to make sure we understand we're getting good goaltending, not, and I said not unbelievable, but that's largely because or partly because uh, our defense in front of our goalies has not been as good. At times it's been horrific. Uh, so, you know, I, I think we need to play them into that way of uh, style of goaltending to that level of goaltending. And by I say we play them into that, I mean our team in front of them. Uh, and if we can do that, then 
you know, the second half can put, put the first half behind us in the rearview mirror quickly. If we don't do that, then we're going to have a grind all year. Yeah, that's definitely something that I think we've noticed too. Uh, you know, it's most goals now are scored within six feet of the crease, right? But it seems like there's been a lot of goals this year, maybe in some big ones. Maybe that's why it feels like it's a lot. It's, it's goals maybe at big times where a guy's open, you know, in a, in a grade A opportunity, and you're like, man, how, how did he get that wide open in that area of the ice? Exactly. Great double A. I mean, yeah. I, I, and I think it's, it's not about not knowing where. I mean, we have the same players for the most part that were here a year yeah. ago, um, obviously minus some very important guys. But we most of the guys who are making these mistakes were here last year. Uh, and I think it's trust. It's trust of the guy. You know, if I'm the second guy going into a corner, I need to trust the first guy so that I let him do his job before I go try to, to duplicate his job. And we've done a lot of duplication at the puck that has left people open off the puck. And I really think that that's a, a trust issue. Um, and we have to get there. And we have to get there. Because if you don't trust the guy in front of you, there's nothing you can do. Like, the, the game's over before it starts. If you don't trust that guy's going to do his job to get the stop, then the game's over. And, and we don't have any chance at all. We're just going to be lucky if our goalies happen to make some great double-A saves. But I think that's something we worked on a lot in the last month of the year was defensive zone. You know, I thought we played, um, you know, ironically beating Northeastern, I think gave us some bad habits in the defensive zone because we contained that game. Um, and we did a really good job of it. I mean, they never really got pucks into the interior. They play the weak side of the ice so well. We really just marked up and we didn't close as much. And it worked in that particular game, but it's not going to work most nights. Um, they didn't want to work to get inside us, so we just let them stay on the outside. BU wanted to work to get inside us, and even worse than that, Yale was going to outwork us to get inside us, and that's that's some stuff that when that starts to happen, it, it, it's everything outside the dots that matters, and we got to go out and be physical out there. Another thing we've noticed over the last probably month or so, really since, since Thanksgiving, uh, the rise of some of your freshmen. You know, We talked about Ty Deneau had the big weekend Thanksgiving weekend. Ethan Bono had a big weekend the, the weekend after that. Frank Jervisevic has been, you know, one of your top four defensemen really since the start of the year. Uh, it feels like that class, in terms of their impact, really started to emerge late in November and as you headed as you headed into the break. I yeah, I couldn't agree more. And you're talking about uh, Ty and and Ethan are two of the youngest, certainly the youngest players on our team, but two of the youngest players in the league. Um, but I think their their step up uh, makes us deeper, makes us better. That's one of the reasons it aggravates me with the injuries we've had because you know those guys should be playing lesser roles and making a bigger impact on those lesser roles but we can't do that because we don't have other bodies right now so they had to play bigger roles bigger things but I think they've handled it really well certainly good for their future um, I can't believe neither one of them have been drafted uh, I would I would anticipate if anyone watches our games closely that maybe maybe they both would be um, there's unique talent in both those young men, and, and Frankie the same way. You know, I'm so proud of him from what he's gone through, as you know. Um, and last year, he was going to uh, really wanted to come in last year. I asked him to stay out the extra year because the ice time we lo- lost with Yui and, and Declan, I didn't think a freshman could could eat up. So we brought in Slava, and he was great about it. Went on to be captain of the probably the premier junior team in North America. Um, did a great job there and has continued that here. Uh, so I'm really, really happy with him. But I think it, I think if you're going to talk about our young players, you also got to throw Max Wattville um, in there as well. He's He was one of the leaders in the country on shutting people down on our own end. Um, and that's that's a big-time stat. He's, he's hard. He's tough. 
Um, I really like, you know, his game. I, I think that uh, he's a great kid, you know, but he's he's really he's progressed in his game as much as anyone from September to December. Uh, and then, you know, you know, I think David Sacco has, has contributed. Uh, he's played some really good hockey for us. He's played some okay hockey, but, you know, he's in a great floor of his game. And now let's try to approach that ceiling because I think he – David is a talented player that obviously every anyone who knows him knows he's a tough, you know, he's a tough guy. And um, that's great, but I want to see that skill continue to progress and come out. Uh, Brady Hunter is the same way. Luke Weiland, they're all, the whole freshman class this year has contributed, uh, which really makes me happy because that's a, a good sign moving forward. Looking ahead a little bit more too, I mean, this is probably the time of year to do it, but uh, how how much have you tried to keep an eye on, on recruits, especially ones that have maybe recently signed NLIs? I know those are the ones you could talk about, but uh, it, it's probably more a, a more of a busy time for, for Dan and, and Jimmy, I would think. But this is the time of year where, you're, where your game schedule slows down, where maybe you're, you're keeping an eye on, on some of your future players. Is that really pick up at this time of year? I mean, it's busy with the holidays too, but is this really where this where a lot of that starts to pick up? I know it's busy in September. I would think it's also busy you know, around this time as well. Yeah, it really has to be. It's crazy. Dan and I were just talking today about, um, you know, putting ourselves in a position where our committed players feel loved. Um, not always easy to do when you need to recruit every day of the year. Um, and you really do now. You need to be watching other teams, you know, your other teams' line charts, game sheets. You need to be watching every player out there because of the decommitments. Uh, recruiting is is like, is an animal that it's never been. And, um you know, one of the one of the hard things for us uh, truly has been uh, making sure that people understand the growth of, of our program and our school, uh, and and getting that out in front of people. And, and um, we've been doing that as, as best we can. And I think Dan and Jimmy have done a great job. And we've got a good group coming in next year, and we have a, a good group behind them as well. Yeah, I, I imagine a lot of the the time and resources that go into that because obviously, you know, you're recruiting for next year, but the the way that it works now, you're also recruiting for. 2025 and 2026 and January 1st you can start to talk to some other players so there's more to do there you know once the, I think we can start talking to younger players sophomores whatever it is starting January 1 or maybe it's juniors but I mean I would think that all of that that goes into that keeping track of all those players over multiple years you may be talking about 15 or 16 players that you've kind of had committed on on your list moving forward uh, not only are you looking for new players and, and continue to recruit but to continue to follow up with those players, those coaches, and, and really keep track of the players that you already have in your pipeline, that's going to be uh, as a full-time job and take up as much time, if not more, than, uh, than your responsibilities you know, here in this building right now with, uh, with your current players. I won't say more because that would, they'd, I think they've both been very, and I've been very conscious of not cheating this team. Um, you know, I learned, I, it's funny when I was at Brown university way back when, and we had a season that went one and 25, winning the first game, losing the next 25, uh, Bobby Odette, who was the head coach, just used to tell myself and Brian McCloskey, the two assistants that, uh, you know, number one, I need two people at every single game. I need this team to understand that we're trying to make this team better. Uh, I never forgot that it was never lost on me. And, and, and what really came home to me was when, when we got pretty good and we actually came in second in the league one year, uh, we had our team banquet, and a bunch of those guys came back who, who were on that 1-25 team and weren't on the team the next year, even though they weren't seniors. Um, but they came back to the banquet. They were proud, and I think that was because Bobby did a great job at making them feel like they, they mattered. And that's what we, in, we're not in that position, but we are in a position where we have to make sure our, our attention's uh, divided, but really that the team never feels that. 
continuing to look ahead, I know we talked about this a little bit back when it was announced, but uh, now that you've had even some more time to reflect on it and kind of plan for it, is is Belfast something that I know you're looking forward to it, but has it been something that the the guys have maybe talked about? And is it something that you can sell the guys that are coming in next year? Like, hey, this is a big trip that we're doing. Uh, you know, I know it, it's a obviously a big one in the calendar. Merrimack, the men's team has never been over there, uh, and I know you've wanted to do it for a while, but do you feel like it's, even though it's a little over a year away, that, that maybe guys are looking forward to that next year? Yeah, it's a great trip. I did. I made that trip with Providence, uh, and I think it should be something that's helpful to us uh, with both retention and recruiting uh, moving into the following year. Uh, it's, a, it's a life experience like no other. I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. The games, you know, we're going to be over there with three of the best teams in the country, you know, for sure. I mean, we know that right now, uh, and that will be fun. Uh, and then we also will get a chance to, you know, see Northern Ireland, which I think, um, you know, when you're over in the States, you don't have maybe an appreciation for what that country's been through and what that area's been through. But when you go there, you certainly do. And I'm looking forward to, to be going back and doing a deeper dive and, and having the players have the same opportunity. Those are going to be a, a couple of your non-conference games for next year. And I know some of the stuff doesn't get finalized until Naples in the spring. But uh, in terms of the non-conference schedule, kind of moving forward in, in 24 and 25, uh, have you guys had anything agreed to yet? Because, again, I know like some of the stuff got messed up. COVID messed up some of the agreements and, and whatnot. But uh, as you kind of plan ahead, is anything other than Belfast settled for, for next year's non-league schedule? Well, one thing about Belfast, just to go back, is it's not going to – our first game is against BU, and it won't be non-conference. Um, I'm kind of bummed about that, but that's how it's always been played. When I went when I went there with Providence, we played Maine in a non-conference game, and Clarkson played RPI. Uh, obviously, for Notre Dame and uh, Harvard, that's a non, they're both playing two non-conference games. I'm not exactly sure why we kept this format. I asked not to because now that you have don't have just two leagues there, um, but – no one really, uh, no one listened to me, which is not not abnormal. Uh, so, uh, but we have we we have an opportunity. We're going to go to uh, Minnesota State next year, um, early in October. I'm excited about that. Really good opponent. It's a team that we haven't played before. I don't believe, at least not since I've been here, but I don't think ever. Um, it's been a while. I think it was the 80s. 80s. I looked it up the other day. Okay. Yeah, and and their coach Luke Strand's a friend of mine. Um, so I, I, I think that will be a great trip. We'll be challenged, but we'll be challenged in a good, good area. Um, and then we'll go to Army, which I'm really excited about. That's going to be in January. Uh, but I, I wanted to take the team to Army in October because it's such an unbelievable place in October. Um, but I'm, I'm happy we're going to get the chance to go there. That's also that's a trip that's more than just a trip. And I think your team gets a lot out of that. Um, I certainly feel, you know, the times I've been there and played there, um, yeah, I just, you just feel, you feel it. And, and, uh, I think it's a good feeling for your team to experience. So that's another one. And we're putting the rest of the schedule together right now. I think Alaska is going to come here, uh, in the middle of December, uh, before exams. And then we'll go back to Alaska next year. Um, which I think will again, be a really good trip. So excited about it. And I think it will be, it will round out to be a good schedule and, uh, we, we should have a, um, a budding team that's ready to challenge that. That's good, too, because you go to see some different teams. You know, I, I think fans will be excited to see some different teams in the building. You'll go to make some different trips as well because uh, you've had a lot of the same, you know, same opponents 
on the schedule the last couple of years. And I know, again, COVID messed up a lot of those agreements and we you were stuck kind of regionally for a while. And some of maybe plans that had even been papered, I don't know if it's specifically with you guys, but I know other teams had some agreements that were, you know, contracts were signed in uh, the way that COVID happened kind of messed up some of those agreements and, and even, you know, people, teams had to rip some of them up. So uh, being able to, to see some different teams and, and a team that you haven't seen in a while, you know, Minnesota State, you haven't played them in forever, Alaska, uh have been out there, I think. I got to look, but I don't know the last time that Alaska's been here. I don't. I certainly don't remember it. So, uh, some new teams coming in is is definitely a positive thing. I think it will be great, and I think our team will enjoy it. You know, we haven't played Alaska, you know, since I've been here. I haven't played against. I haven't been to Alaska, gosh, since uh, the '90s. Um, and so, I'm looking forward to the return trip there. I think it's also a great trip to make just to bring your team together. Uh, them coming here this year was just the first step in that happening. I wanted to get your thoughts, too, uh, not to get too into the weeds with specific players, but uh, Ben Brar, I know he probably hasn't had the offensive totals that, that he would hope for. Uh, I know you know, it took a little bit to get that first goal, and I think I even asked him when it happened if it felt like a, a weight had been lifted off his shoulders there a little bit because it took a little bit for that first one to find the back of the net. But, man, you know, he's a guy that every time I watch him play, and we've talked about it, but like every time I watch him play, he, he does so many of the little things right and has such a, a high hockey IQ that most players just don't have. Uh, he processes things really, really quickly and does so many of those little things right. Uh, I I've just it feels like I know it's in his last year, you know, but it feels like he should have an opportunity at the pro level. And, and I'm just curious, what have you seen from him? Because it seems like early in the year, even when he was fighting it a little bit offensively and not getting, you know, probably the points again that he would have liked, uh, the that secondary part of his game didn't go away, which to me means he can impact a team in a number of different ways. Like I almost look at it as a positive because players are going to go through stretches like that where the puck doesn't bounce for you. And he kind of showed throughout that that process that, hey, you know, the, the secondary parts of his game, even if the scoring is – if he's in a, in a cold streak, which players hit every once in a while, he still does so many things that positively impact the game. You know, I've been, um, frankly, disappointed. I'm psyched that Benny's back. He never should have been back, you know, uh, from the standpoint of if he was appreciated at the next level. Um, And all we have is a player that for five years has played in our top six, has played in our penalty kill, has played in our power play. And, yeah, we haven't always been a great team, but he's always been a really good player. He's a two-year captain, um, you know, and, and, and this year, you know, because of the type of year it's been, uh, because of the grind it's been with guys in and out, I think that it's been a difficult role to be the captain this year. Um, you probably see that from the stands at times. But he just keeps on showing up. And um, I, I just I, I said this before. Uh, I think I said this is junior year. I, I think he's the most underrated player in this league. He just does not get appreciated for the fact that he just does everything well. He does nothing exceptional except lead, but he does everything well. And, um, you know, I hope at the end of this year that's recognized. Certainly when we talk to, we try to get that to happen. He, to me, he should get an opportunity to play in the American League uh, the minute our season ends. And then if more happens for him, then great. If it doesn't, at least you got a chance to show them what he could do. I go back to that goal he scored in overtime last year against UMass. Uh, and I remember after the game, you know, he kind of he scored an overtime. It was a one-on-one goal. He was opposite a forward, and, and he said that. He's like, he picked his head up, recognized that he wasn't against a defenseman. He could attack it differently because he was attacking a forward, uh, and it was so impressive to hear a guy that could, I mean, 
in a split second like that, process that information so quickly and then know, okay, I can attack this a little bit differently because I'm not going against the D and did it and then executed it. I mean, this is all happening within like a half a second. That's some of the stuff that just not every player has that, uh, that processing ability. I I totally agree. I remember him saying that. I remember reading it actually. I think I read it that you said it, he said to you, then you printed it. And I asked him after that, you know, because, you know, sometimes people say what they think yeah. people want to hear. I said, did you really know? Because it was Taylor. Mc- I don't know if it's Taylor, uh, but it was McCarr. I think it's Taylor. Uh, and, you know, for Ben to recognize that so immediately. Now, I wonder a little bit. His number was 18. Taylor's was 18. Like, I, did he know who the player was? Taylor played unbelievable against us the night before. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, so he had, he had jumped out at us on the weekend anyways because he was kind of dominant. Um but either way, for a forward to process that, especially a college hockey forward to process that and then use that information immediately, pretty impressive. Last thing I have here, again, kind of looking back at the first half, I saw Tyler Irvine at a game. I don't know if it was maybe in the last home game uh, against BU, but uh, I've noticed you know, some alums coming back, some recent alums, guys that, that played under you as well. Uh, have you noticed that as well, catching up with any of those guys? And, and are you following any of them as they – continue to pursue pro hockey some of them seems like they're doing pretty well um it's been really great uh ti was here patrick foley was with them um a couple other guys have been in and out uh and one thing i should mention and it's just um and i I don't know if you even know this but on january 27th uh ronnie anderson and richard uh will be uh honored here at the arena Uh, i'm really excited about that because you know richard i've only met through him entering the hall of fame uh, I had a million guys contact me the minute I got the job saying he should be in the Hall of Fame. And I went back through his statistical categories like, holy cow, you know. Um, and then Ronnie is someone I knew personally for, you know, half my life. And I, I just think it's, it was such a good move by the college to put him into the Hall of Fame. He deserves it. Um, he's a good man. And you're going to see that on that January 27th. I bet you will have 50 guys that, who, who played for him back here uh, to honor him and Richard because obviously they won the – same uh, ballot and uh, same team, uh, but I'm excited about that. That's January 27th. I think we have a home game against Northeastern. Uh, we'll do a little ceremony before the game, have a little uh, gathering for those players, for any alums to come to, uh, particularly the ones who played for Ronnie. So uh, I'm excited for that to happen as well. Well, thanks, Coach, as always. Of course, uh, happy holidays. Enjoy the rest of the break. It's not a very long one. Um, <laughs> you, hit, you come back right after Christmas and play there on the 29th. So not much of a break left, but certainly enjoy what's left of it and, uh, and, and have a good holiday. Yeah, thanks for reminding me. I'm going to enjoy the day. <laughs> All right, sounds good. Thanks, Coach. Thanks, Mike.